church and all the wonderful guests that are with us this morning. We're just grateful for each and every one of you. And uh, we have some business before we get started here. We have one of our uh, uh, members that is in the hospital right now. And uh, Francine Schauger is dealing with AFib. And so we want to agree together that, uh, praise God, her heart will get in sync, that there'll be no ramifications or no complications whatsoever in the name of Jesus, and that she'll be back with us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And we also have someone that uh, has a family member that uh, is in dire need uh, of a miracle. And uh, you know what? The Apostle Paul, he carried handkerchiefs that were on his body, and as he would minister the Word of God, the anointing would saturate those napkins. They would take them, and they would apply them to infirmed people or people that were uh, possessed or oppressed by the devil. And it says the devils left them, and they were healed. Amen? And so for some reason, there is a transference of the anointing that can come into cloth. And so I'm going to have the ministers that are here, and we've got several that are here. We're going to lay hands on this in the name of Jesus, and we're going to believe that this report is going to turn and that the miraculous power of God is going to be brought forth in a dynamic way. And the Bible says, they shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Amen? Can can you believe with me for these miracles? Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm going to pray for Francine. Then I'm going to have the ministers come up here and we're going to, I've got some oil here. We'll put it on our fingers and hands and we'll just lay it on this cloth. We'll believe that a supernatural transference of the anointing of God that's on this house and on this place will be transferred into this cloth and that when this cloth touches the body of the infirmed, Anything that is causing malady, anything that is causing weakness, anything that is causing infirmity has to go in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up our dear sister Francine and we release the healing power of God to her right now. As she is already believing and confessing and speaking forth the word of God, I thank you, Father God, that we come into agreement with the words of faith that she has already spoken. And we speak to her heart right now from this place for there is no time and space in prayer. And we command her heart in the name of Jesus to come back into regular beating, Father God, in regular rhythm right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father God, that there will be no complications and no damage in the name of Jesus. And everyone that agrees with that, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. If I could have the ministers come on up here. And uh, come on up here and uh, just take this and put this on your fingers, I guess, and I'll lay this out here. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to have so many wonderful ministers with us today. Amen. Come on, Johnny. Come on in here and get you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead. Oil over here, I believe. Amen. So, Father, in Jesus' name, according to Acts chapter 16, we thank you that claws were laid upon the infirmed and demons left them and infirmities left them in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that the anointing of God is transferring into this cloth in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father God, 
that when this touches the infirm's body, it will drive out every sickness and disease and cause life and health to be imparted in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Where's the young lady that needs this cloth here? I want to get, uh, talk to her out front. Oh, okay, here you go, sister. Amen. Amen. Take this in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And we pray for peace for our sister right here in the name of Jesus. Pray for peace. Hallelujah. Peace, comfort, and strength. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, I'm excited about Arise. And I couldn't be more excited about kicking off Arise this morning. You know, back in, I believe it was um, around 2008 or nine, I was looking down my Facebook posts and trying, because I like to get acquainted with people in the area. I'm always interested in what people are doing in churches around, and I'll snoop. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a snoop. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I can tell, you know, uh, pastors will meet me that are in the community, and, they'll, uh, and I'll say, yeah, I like that message that you did there. And they're just shocked. They're just shocked that I'd even watch their stuff or even know what they're, they're doing because sometimes even their own members don't even know what they're doing. But uh, anyway, so uh, I ran into this young man that's, whose name I recognized from high school. And, uh, of course, he was four years younger than I was, you know, but he dated a girl that we graduated with at the time. He was quite a player and uh, had <laughs> quite a reputation. And uh, I saw him. He was pastoring the church out in all of America. And uh, I was interested, and so we corresponded back and forth, and he came and visited one time, and it was always really good to see him, and, and the Lord began to weave something together. Now, he was already pastoring the church um, and uh, was doing a, a night service on a Sunday night, and, and the Lord began to talk to me about, this is, this is a partner here. This is someone that you can hook up with. This is, this is your McCartney, you know, and... Uh, and uh, you know, and so some of you will get that, but, uh, you know, and, uh, and I thought, well, you know, cause I've been looking for someone to, you see, ch guys, church isn't about one personality. If you're coming to church for one personality, you're, you're missing it totally. It's about teams and uh, teams of ministers. And, you know, when we look at Acts, the 13th chapter, we see a team of ministers in the church of Antioch. And that's the pattern the Lord caused, you know, put in my heart to build here at Lake Church. And that's the reason why we have multiplicity of leadership. And that's the reason why when someone goes down, someone rises up. And, uh, and God's anointing's already on them. They don't need it. You know, they don't need to try to wear someone else's armor. They've already got their own. And uh, that's what we want. That's what we desire. And so very, very, um, so the Lord began to weave our hearts together. And um, through a process of time, a couple of years, um, we were able to bring him and his family on and him and Rhonda. And, and uh, they helped us with our Alton campus for many years. And then 
uh, praise God, God sent him over here. And um, I couldn't think of a more fitting way to kick off a rise than to have pastor, friend, and leader of leaders, Kevin Varnell, to come and minister to us, brother. I love you. Amen. God is good. Player to preacher. I didn't know how I was going to recover from that, but anyway. (laughs) Oh, thank God. Jesus redeems the ungodly, right? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's just stand real quick. I know we've been worshiping and we've prayed for people, but I just want to pray as we enter in. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for your goodness this morning. We just thank you that this is an appointed time, Father God, to come together as your body here. Father God, just to be reminded of your goodness, just to be reminded of the fact that we already have the victory through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Father God, to help us to raise and and cause our thinking to ascend to where we take on your perspective, Father God, into regard to what's going on in the earth today, so that your church can awake, arise, and Christ can shine on us, shine through us, Father, for your glory. We just thank you for it, Lord. We thank you so much for where you've brought us all and where you're taking us. We are on the edge of our seat, excited, expectant, looking forward, Father God, because nothing is impossible with you. We depend on you. We lean on you. We yield to you this morning, Father God. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Would you give him a shout of praise? He's worthy. You can be seated. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, I just want to share a few thoughts before I kind of get into any scripture. Um, You know, Trevor kind of in his uh, transition, he had the, my first line was expectation. So uh, I thought maybe he got my stuff and was looking, but I was just thinking about the fact that uh, uh, this is an appointed time of the Lord, that we come together every year at this time, and ministers from all over the place that we're connected to, that God has, you know, caused us to be connected to, family, I mean, you know, we're one church, Uh, we stay at each other's houses and (laughs) have a great time. But my question for you this morning is, what did you come expecting? What are you expecting for this week? I know so many times we just, it's a rise, we show up, we're here, we're going to have a good time. But as Trevor pointed out, you know, the Bible says that he does exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that's at work within us. And God meets us at the level of our expectations. So I was thinking this morning... We need to think about what are we believing for? What do we think this week is going to look like? Because it's going to determine. Listen, you are going to get out of it what you believe for. It's the same. Anytime somebody ministers up here, it's, it's really not up to them. 
It's up to you. I mean, Jesus said that what determines the level of harvest or fruit in the life of a person is the condition of their heart. The word's the same, but where your heart is at and the condition of your heart is what determines how much fruit you're going to get from that word. So we need to think about, you know, our expectation. And I was doing that last night, and I was just thinking about that, you know, I'm thinking that by an encounter of God's Spirit this week, you know, that's why we come together, really, to encounter the corporate Son. Jesus is manifested in a special way when we all come together, which is really God's ultimate plan for us in this age is, is not that he would just live within us, but that he would live within us. Amen. And he's fully revealed when his church comes together in unity because that's where the blessing is. That's where the anointing begins to flow down the head and all the way down to the very edges of his garments according to Psalm 133. So we need to be expecting, I'm expecting to be refreshed. How about you? Anybody needing refreshing? Yes. Refreshed by the presence of the Spirit of God this week. Um, and I'm expecting to be renewed in my mind by the power of His Word. By revelation knowledge. Not just intellect, something intellectual, but by an unveiling of the Holy Spirit of who Christ is in us. So I've got my expectancy on. I hope you're moving in your mind to expect to see God do amazing things in our midst. Miracles, signs, and wonders, of course, follow the gospel. We're expecting to see God show up and show out in a powerful way. So I wrote down a few things. Just bear with me as I get started. Today is kind of a special day. I like to study the feast days of the Lord. Now, I'm not a legalist for sure. Anybody that knows me knows I'm the farthest from a legalist. But I like to study the prophetic aspects of the feast of the Lord because they unveil tremendous insights into the things that Christ has provided for us. Because the feasts of the Lord were prophetic pictures of things. They were shadows of things that Christ is the substance of. And as I was getting ready for this, you know, I was looking at the calendar, and today is the, the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Tabernacles just ended yesterday, and it's a seven-day celebration. I mean, it's a celebration time. It's a time of feasting. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of reflection on the goodness of God to the nation of Israel. But listen, Jesus has fulfilled these things. And so now we have a living union with God. It's actually a revelation of Christ in us and us in him. It's a revelation of our union with him, with God through Jesus and how that he dwells among and within his people. And so that's seven days, but on the eighth day, there's a special day called a happy, holy day. The happy, holy day. Why? Because at the very end of the feast, this is the final day when the celebration of everything that Jesus came to provide has already been fulfilled. Listen, we got to realize we're not waiting on God. God's waiting on us to wake up, arise so that Christ can shine on us. 
There's nothing else left for him to do. When Jesus finished his work, he ascended and was seated at the right hand of God. And we are seated there in him. Hallelujah. And not just seated there, but far above every principality and power and might and dominion. And the devil can't do anything to you that you don't give him consent to do. We've got to awaken and arise so that Christ can shine. This waiting on God to move, he's waiting on us to move. We are the move of God. We are the address of God in the earth. We are the body of Christ and members in particular. If Christ is going to show up, it's because the church showed up. If the light of God is going to show up and shine in dark places, it's because those who have been made light by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit show up and shine the light. And listen, light shines dark, shines brightest in the dark. You know, you don't pump darkness out of a room. You just shine the light. Amen. So it's a happy, holy day. How appropriate. I, I like to be a happy, I'm a happy guy. But it's all because of Jesus. You know, there was a day when I wasn't. About 20 years ago, I was not saved. And, you know, I was in a place in my life where, you know, my life was just being destroyed by the devil. And I deserved it. <laughs> You know, I, me and Jesse have talked about our testimonies. They're a lot alike. You know, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me is I got the revelation that it was my life, the condition of it wasn't anybody else's fault. It was due to my decisions. I got myself where I was in the condition and in the place that I was in. But you know what? I finally learned the truth of the gospel is that through Jesus, we don't get what we deserve. We get what he deserves. <laughs> and that enabled me to fully embrace all that Jesus had provided, man. And he just transformed my life, broke off the shackles of addiction, broke off the chains of destruction, and set my life on a new course, headed in a different direction. And I'm so thankful. I can never be grateful enough to God for what he did for me through Jesus. He didn't require anything of me. He provided everything for me by his grace. And when I moved into faith, I began to be able to partake of the life and the anointing and the love and the joy and the peace of God. And that's what changed my life and made me want to begin to live for him. It's the love of God. It's the, it's the goodness of God that draws men under repentance. That's why I was so glad we sang that song this morning. It's the goodness of God that arrested my heart. It's the goodness of God. It was finding out that God was better than anything else that this world had to offer. Man, we got to awaken to that because sometimes the church doesn't act like he's all that good. We say it. Man, I've heard a lot of times people say, oh, God is good, and everybody just reflexively, because we know what to do in church, says <laughs> all the time and all the time God is good. But sometimes, you know, do you believe it or not? You know, we say a lot of stuff, but just saying it don't make it real. It's what you believe in your heart that makes it real. And listen, the biggest tactic of the devil is that he wants to convince you that God is your problem, not your answer. He wants to convince you that God is the source of all of your issues. 
And religion has been a great help to him over the years to help convince the body of Christ that God may not be as good as you think he is. But I'm here to tell you he's better. Amen. Amen. He is better. So this is a happy, holy day. And it's the eighth day of the festival, which speaks to new beginnings. Anybody like to have a reset in their life, a new beginning? I'm telling you, uh, just from my experience, this has been a hot summer. (laughs) All the ministers are shaking their heads. This has been a hot, hot summer spiritually. I mean, the devil's been on the rampage. Because there's things that are going on that he don't like. But I'm here to tell you, just let me declare this to you this morning. Summer's over. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Summer's over. Hallelujah. The atmosphere is changing. It's time to come together, refocus on the finished work of Jesus, celebrate the goodness of God, rejoice in the Lord, for the devil is defeated and we are seated with Christ in heavenly places far above every principality, every power, every might, every dominion. The devil has nothing on you. We've got, listen, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians 5, this is our core scripture for this revival. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians 5, and we're going to start in verse 8. But the main scripture is verse 14, so I'm just going to kind of lead up to that. It says in verse 8, For you were once darkness, all of you. <laughs> some, some people don't realize they're, they were as darkness as, as other people were. We got to realize that without Jesus, we're nothing. We ain't got nothing. We have nothing. We can do nothing. And everyone was darkness in regard to their relation to God. Here, here's the problem is religion presents you a standard to where you don't compare yourself to Jesus. You compare yourself to other people. As long as I'm better than these people, I'm good. <laughs> but when you go and you compare yourself to Jesus Christ, who is the glory of God, then all have fallen short and all have sinned against God and all have fallen short of his glory. You were once darkness. Oh, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Man, here's the thing. The devil wants to convince you you're still darkness. The key to walking in the light is discovering the light that's already on the inside of you. The devil wants to hide that from you. He wants you to stay asleep in regard to the realities of what Jesus has done in you. If, and this is a big if, if you are a born again believer in Jesus Christ. If you are, you are light. It's time to shine. No one takes a light and lights it and puts it under a bed. No, they light a lamp and set it out for where it can shine on everyone. And that's what God wants to do us to do, especially in this hour when darkness is coming upon the people of the world and gross darkness coming upon the people. Well, the, that's our, this is the greatest hour of the church right now to begin to shine where there's a great stark difference in the world and in the church. 
Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Oh, man. That's what we've been doing around here for the last few years, for sure. We've been, our whole focus has been exposing the works of darkness, which is the first part of waking up. You got to wake up to the deception that you're under before you can enter into the truth. We're going to expose the devil. I know it's going to happen through this conference because that's what we do around here all the time. Expose it because some people don't realize what the devil's doing to them and how he's doing it to them. We're going to expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Here's the verse. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, rise from the dead. And Christ will give you light. Hallelujah. You know, the enemy, like I said, Jesus disarmed him. Colossians 2.15 says that Jesus disarmed the devil. And actually led him about in a parade, showing him off to all of the unseen forces in the spiritual realm that he was a defeated foe. But the church hasn't woke up to the fact that he's already been defeated. He's been disarmed, which means he's been rendered powerless. His only tactic that he has against you is to deceive you into believing that he he still has power in your life. Because he has to use your own authority against you. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're not going to turn to it. I'm just going to kind of quote some of these because we don't have time. But it's a verse, it's a scripture we're all really uh, familiar with around here. But it says to put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The word schemes is methodos, which is singular, which means a road or a way. That means the devil only has one way of coming against you. He don't have many Here's the thing, we've given him all, we've built him up to be something way more than he has. The devil doesn't have a bunch of ways to get at you. He's not after your washing machine. He's not after your car. He's not after all that stuff. He's after your faith. He's after your revelation of the truth of the word of God. Because if he can get you to believe a lie, he can bring that lie to manifestation. In fact, you'll bring it to manifestation in your life. He only has one way. He only has one road. Then in 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 11, it says, we're not ignorant of his devices. And that word devices is the Greek word noemata, which means mind games. So the contested battlefield of our life is in our soul. It's in our mind. Because listen, as a born-again believer, your spirit has already been saved. Your spirit is sealed by the Holy Ghost and sanctified. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says that if you've joined yourself to the Lord, you are one spirit with him. We are united to him spiritually, eternally, and completely. Man. Hallelujah. Mind game. So listen, in the words of the band Foreigner, if you're going to win, you got to learn how to play head games. (laughs) 
Because here's the thing, the devil goes about seeking. The devil goes, <laughs> that came up from the past. <laughs> You knew it though. <laughs> Reverend Woody. <laughs> See, so many people think the devil can just come in and do stuff to people, and he can't. And that's part of the reason he has power in our lives. Because we believed he has more ability than he actually had. We believe he has more ability than he actually has. So the work of the Christian is in the mind. It's in the renewing of our mind to the finished work of Jesus. That's why the devil tries to obscure the glorious gospel of Christ so that we're unable to, by faith, partake of all of the finished work, all of the things that Jesus has already done for us so that we can live freed, delivered lives, effective lives, not just to be freed, but to free other people. Mm. So we got to learn how to, we got to learn how to recognize this tactic so that we can shut the door. That's what the whole armor of God's all about. It's truth. It's righteousness. It's the gospel of peace. It's, it's the revelation of our position in Christ. That's really what it is. The devil's got, you to, got to get you to believe a lie about yourself. Before, a lie about God and a lie about yourself before he has any inroad to your life. And that is simply through our minds. 2 Corinthians 10 says, Casting down imaginations and opinions and every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. That word thought is noemata. Again, it's the same word that's in 2 Corinthians 2.11. He only has the ability to come at us through our thoughts, which is why in the information age, we got to wake up. Let's, okay, now here we go. He's going to talk about our TV. <laughs> now listen, the devil is... One of his, if you want to, if you want to shut off his ability to, because here's the thing. Okay, there's two ways the enemy works with our thoughts. Jesus revealed in Matthew 13. He said, anytime the kingdom is is preached, when the word of the kingdom comes, the devil comes immediately to steal away that which was in your heart. He's an he he commits intellectual espionage. He steals something away that God has given to you out of your heart because you don't understand it. You haven't embraced it. But the other way is he, he uh, does inception. He implants thoughts in our mind, but he does it through the words that are spoken in our culture and in our society that are counter to the kingdom of God. And now, you know, here's the thing. We, could use, we are using media. And the body of Christ better step up and use these things. For so long, the, the TV was, and media was this. And in our ignorance, we allowed the kingdom of darkness to outpace us in regard to the ability to use these things for the good of the kingdom of God. In our religious stupidity, we allowed the kingdom of darkness to outpace us, and we've been behind trying to play catch up. 
But that's how he does it. He does it through media. He does it through using people who have media platforms to be able to put words into your, into your mind space to see if you'll take a hold of one. And a word is like, or an idea is like a virus. A word is like a virus. A thought is like a virus. Let me read you this. Highly contagious, resilient. The seed of an idea can grow to define a person and the direction of your life. And here's the thing. When you're in a sleep state, to, to not be awake means you're not aware. It means you're not conscious. And it's in the subconscious mind that the enemy's presenting these thoughts to us. And here's the thing. So that you think it's your own. So that you think it's your own. You identify with it. You embrace it. You begin to allow it to frame your worldview and your perspective of life. And the enemy had somebody plant that thought in your mind all along, but you thought you just thought of it. Oh, my goodness. That's why we got to awake. It's in the subconscious mind where these things, that's really what you live out of. Because listen, when we're at church, we all know what to say. Come on. If you want to know what you really believe, don't listen to yourself at church. Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself at Walmart. Listen to yourself at your house. Come on. We all know what to say at church. My goodness. Ouch. <laughs> But that's how he's doing it. He's working in the subconscious parts of our minds. Proverbs 23 and 7 says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You think the devil doesn't know our design? He was there when we were created. He was there when the foundations of the earth were created. All of the angels saw God create this, this universe. They know how it works. The enemy knows how you work. You got to know how you work. And put up the barriers against him that, keep him that will keep him from being able to have an inroad through your mind. You know, he wants to use media. I don't know why I keep talking about this, but did you know that the plural, uh, that, that media is the plural form of medium? A few of y'all on the front row caught it. <laughs> y'all, this guy's getting weird. <laughs> Media is the plural form of medium. We know what a medium does. They channel spirits. Oh, they channel spirits. So when you flip on that TV, man, I got TVs. Come on. <laughs> But when you flip on that TV to, to veg out and you just let those words run through your mind. And I'm telling you on the news, they, they definitely are channeling spirits. In fact, anybody who's not speaking the word of God is speaking something contrary. Any, any, any words that aren't the word of God are contrary. They might not be diametrically opposed, but there is some element of deception in them. Listen, deception isn't counter to the truth. 
It's truth with a little twist. Oh, my goodness. See, you wouldn't bite onto it if it didn't have a little truth in it. Mediums. We got to awaken to where this stuff is coming from because, listen, if you're taking in a large diet of that, you better be taking in a large diet of the word because you got to counter those wrong thoughts that are coming. You're, you're, you're making the wrestle. We wrestle with, not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And the more we take in those thoughts, the more we increase their ability to wrestle. And because we don't understand the finished work of Jesus, it's obscured from us. Then we're not able to stand in truth. See, truth is our anchor in life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, our mind uh, perceives and creates our world all at the same time. That's what's amazing. Is we can, we are we are simultaneously perceiving life and creating life by the way that we think, and the enemy wants to get right smack dab in the middle of that process because he has desires for our lives just the way the, that God has desires for us. But just as God requires our cooperation. To work through us, the enemy requires our cooperation to be able to work through us. So the more we are built up in truth, the more we know who we are in Christ, the more we know what what belongs to us, the better able we are equipped to stand against the deceptions of the enemy. The better we are to stand against the deceptions of the enemy. Hallelujah. That's why Romans 12, 12, 1 and 2 exhorts us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Because you're not transformed just by behavior modification. You are not just transformed by behavior modification. You're transformed by the renewing of the mind. And what do people resist the most? Having to sit and read and meditate. and th- It's the hardest thing to do to sit still. Because of the world that we live in, we want to be actively doing something all the time. And to sit, we, we got to get back to the art of meditating on the Word of God and allowing the truths of the Word of God to rise up from our spirit and to begin to impact the way that we think so that we can begin to walk in the light of our redemption. Walk in the light of our redemption so that our life begins to emanate the very life of Christ because being a Christian is not just living for God. Being a Christian is God living through us. He has called us more to more than just some moral adaptation to a code of conduct, but he has called us to a brand new life where God himself comes and dwells on the inside of us and begins to live through us by his spirit. 
Man, that's where we're going to see the kind of miracles and signs and wonders that we've been all desiring to see. When we come out of the deception of the enemy, we awake from his tactics and we awake to what Christ has done in us. For Christ in us is the hope of the glory of God. It's the hope of seeing the goodness of God manifested in our life. See, truth. John 17 In verse 17, let's turn to that. I think I just want to read this. John 17. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Awake, O sleeper. We can't arise till we awake. We're we're being called to an ascended life. We're being called to an ascended life where we begin to live from an elevated position. And here's the key that we're already in. When the Bible says that Jesus was raised to the right hand of God, it's talking about he was raised to the highest place of authority in all of the universe. And it's easy to say amen to that. But in the very next chapter in Ephesians, it says, And you who were dead, he has made alive and caused to be raised up and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why did he do that? So that we would have authority on earth over all of the works of darkness. That we could go out about like Jesus did and delivering those who were in chains and in bondage and in deception in the lies of the enemy held captive to do his will. Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the enemy, and he did in his generation. But are we in our generation going to rise up and begin to destroy the works of darkness? Are we going to begin to deliver those who are hurting? Are we going to go into the darkness and shine the light of Christ? Hmm. There's something else we've got to awaken to, though, is we've got to awaken to truth. Truth, John 17 In verse 17, Jesus said this. He said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You know, it's a very interesting passage of Scripture because I used to read that. And I I would take the word truth and I would see that as um, sanctify them by all of the understanding of what's right and what's wrong. I thought of it as moral truth. That probably comes from my religious background. But the word truth there in the Greek is aletheia. And let me just say this. The disciples were well acquainted with moral truth. They were raised under the law. They knew the standard of God in written text. They knew what was right. They knew what was wrong. Jesus is introducing us to something completely different here. The word aletheia isn't talking about moral truth. The word aletheia is actually the word reality. Mm. The word aletheia is reality. So Jesus says, sanctify them with your reality. Your word is reality. Oh man, see the enemy's wanting to create, he's wanting to present to you an alternative reality, which is only a temporary and physical one 
But God is presenting to us through Jesus the ability to live from another reality, from the reality of God, which is eternal and unchanging. He's inviting us into an experience of heaven on earth. He's calling us into an experience of heaven on earth. That's what Jesus said to pray when he told his disciples, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we've got to await into this new reality. So many people in Christianity, in religious Christianity, put all the benefits off to the sweet by and by. Put them all off to when we all go to heaven. But I'm here to tell you right now that everything Jesus is and everything he has belongs to the church. But we've been deceived into not believing what belongs to us. If you back up to John 16... In verse 13, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And you know, the Holy Spirit came in the place of Jesus so so that we might all have God living within us. Oh, man. And Jesus was introducing this to them in verse 13. He says, however... Actually, let me read the verse before. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Listen, all of, we, have, we have more revelation than the disciples did at this time. Because not everything was revealed then. When you see in the New Testament the word mystery, uh, religion says it like this. God is mysterious. You just never know. What it, we, they present a God who's mysterious that you can't know. Jesus said eternal life is that you know the Father and you know his son, Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. God is not mysterious in the way that we can't know him. Mysteries in the New Testament are things that weren't previously known, but now are made known to us by the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of us. And he searches the deep things of God and reveals them and unveils them to the church so that we can live in them. He says, however, when the spirit of truth, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Let's say it like this. However, when the spirit of reality has come, he will guide you into all reality, into the reality of God. What did Jesus do? He went about healing the sick, raising the dead. Uh, cleansing the leper, casting out devils, speaking to storms, peace, be still. Jesus went about demonstrating the dominion that God had given to Adam in the beginning. Jesus is not just an example for us that we are just striving to follow after. He is an example of us. Jesus shows us, and I'll say this, not only who we could be, but spiritually, he shows us who we are. He shows us our true potential demonstrated in a human being who's anointed by God. Let me read on here. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. 
He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You know what that means? That now, because of our union with Jesus, who he is, who he is, so are we. That means when you were born again and you became a new creation, you received a new identity. The player died. <laughs> he needed to. He needed to. He needed to. That's good news to me. See, here's the gospel. You come and you die, and I'll raise you from the dead. One with Jesus. <laughs> But we've got to allow this reality to begin to define who we are because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So who he is is who you are. He said he'll take what is mine and he'll declare it to you. You know, in the Greek, it actually doesn't say declare it to you. It says he'll declare it you. Oh. We think, oh, well, that's, that's great. Jesus did that. But he's calling us to do that. He's calling us to awake and arise so that Christ can shine on the church. Look here, one more verse. As if that wasn't enough, he he says it again, verse 15. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. We are fully supplied. No wonder in Colossians 2.10 it says, that you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. What's true of him, brother and sister, is true of you if you're born again. If you're not born again here this morning, you can be. All you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus with all your heart. Confess him as Lord and bam, you become a new creation You are born from above. You are born of the Spirit. You are born of God. You become one with Jesus. And then everything he is and everything he has gets transferred to you. Hallelujah. It gets transferred to you. Here's the thing. Jesus is our reality. I just feel like somebody needs to say that. Let's just say that. Jesus is my reality. Jesus is my reality. I don't care what it looks like on the outside. You know, because in this life, I'm stumbling, I'm falling along the way, but the standard never changes. I may fall, I'm gonna fall, I'm gonna fail along the way, but the standard never changes. The standard is Jesus, and Jesus is my reality. No matter what the devil does, no matter what the devil says, no matter what I do, Jesus, Jesus is my reality. Let me ask you, is Jesus sick this morning? No. No. Jesus is my reality. But the devil wants to deceive you into believing something else. I'm here to tell you this morning that by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. Not were, let me change that. You are healed by the stripes of Jesus. 
He came to deliver us from sin, sickness, disease, disorder, addiction, fear. He came to deliver us from anxiety and from worry and from trying to carry everything heavy in this life that he would lift it up and carry it for us by our faith in him. That we would live by faith in the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just stand. Let's just stand and give him praise. Father, we glorify you this morning. We bless you, Lord. Oh, we thank you that you, Jesus, are our reality. Hallelujah. We bless you this morning. anybody in here this morning that you want prayer, you want us to come into agreement with you this morning, I'm here to tell you that there is nothing impossible with Him. In His presence is freedom. In His presence is fullness of joy. We got a house full of people who are believing to see the miraculous this morning, to see miracles and signs wonders. Don't let the enemy lie to you, intimidate you. Boy, I sense that this morning. Don't let the enemy intimidate you because he's going to try to put your qualification to receive this morning on you. But I'm saying you got to turn your eyes to Jesus. Look fully on the grace that he has provided come up right now and receive what you have need of. There's no sickness, no disease, no addiction that can stand in His presence. If you need to rededicate your life to Jesus, come forward this morning. If you've never been born again, if you've never received Him, this is the atmosphere, this is the place, this is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Let's just worship him. Lord, we just want to see your glory manifested in this place. Encounter you, Father God, in a powerful way. Allow us to see you, your goodness, in a way we've never seen it before. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship Him. Just worship Him. Lord, we just thank You for Your presence.
our cry, Father, it's just that your light would shine on and through us in the darkness. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, I want to ask the ministers to come forward who minister at the end of our services. If you didn't come up during this altar time, they're just going to keep playing, but our ministers are going to be up here in the front. If you didn't come up, they're just... Don't leave without connecting with somebody this morning. Jesus said, if two of you on earth agree as touching anything, it shall be done. So don't leave with something you're wanting that you don't at least come up here and come into agreement with somebody about. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. We give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. You know what? I think we need to do something different. I think we need to take it up a notch. We do. Can we do that first song again? They're going to play this first song. We're going to rejoice in the Lord and what he's done this morning and what he's going to do the rest of the week. And then you'll be dismissed whenever you want to go, but there are going to be ministers up here at the end who can pray with you and come into agreement with you. I just encourage you, begin to worship the Lord with me this morning. <laughs> 